turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And uh, how many of you saw my post today about fall back? This Sunday, we get an extra hour of sleep, right? And, uh, and I said in, <laughs> in the post, I guess I made a few people laugh, but it's my sense of humor. I said, and not from the sermon, right? And uh, <laughs> so you get an extra hour of sleep in. And, uh, but uh, yes, so don't forget to do that, or you can just be here early, and I have a lot of things that we can get accomplished early, so uh, if you want to help with that, you're welcome to do that as well. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, we're talking about spiritual conditioning, and so we have talked about the poor in spirit, and those that mourn, and those that are meek, we talked about the righteous, and the merciful, and the purity, and This evening, we're going to look at two uh, types of individuals who receive some rewards, and God reveals to us that those rewards are given to the peacemakers and to the persecuted. And so if you'll look with me at verse 9, and we'll read on through verse 12. Beginning in verse 9, the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Pray that you just empty me of self, fill me with your spirit. Lord, use your word tonight just to encourage hearts and strengthen us, Father. Help us to truly... Uh, take our lives and be conditioned by the truth of the Word of God. Let it strengthen us and guide us and lead us and direct us. And so, Lord, we just want to lay it all at the altar at your feet tonight. Thank you for all that you've already accomplished. And we praise you and thank you for what you're going to do this evening now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Bible provides all who believe the message of how to live this life and what the life holds uh, for us to come. And one of the things when we go in and we read these, often we refer to them as the Beatitudes, But uh, God teaches us in these passages that there's some actions that we need to take. And that's what I've been trying to steer us toward with this spiritual conditioning. It's not the mere fact that we know how to read the information or find the information. It's more about application of what we find in the Scriptures. And nothing's more important than having read and then doing. And uh, oftentimes we'll read, and, uh, and oftentimes even today, people are more repeaters than they are readers. They'll repeat what they hear rather than what they know. And what I challenge you to do is to get into the Word of God and really study it and understand it. And what this spiritual conditioning requires is requires something of you uh, so that you could receive the promised blessings of Christ through His Word. And conditioning requires action. And as I shared with you, God described three types of individuals, and we looked at them a few weeks ago. And He talked about the poor in spirit, those that mourn, and uh, also the meek in spirit. And what He was dealing with was having a heart of humility. And He wants us to understand the importance of having a humble heart. And it's not the physical heart that's inside your chest. It's talking about the spirit or the attitude that we uh, maintain. And then he talks about spiritual conditions that require action, and we're to pursue these things. We're to pursue righteousness, and we're to pursue being merciful, and we're to pursue purity in our Christian life. And then you're challenged to consider, are you conditioning yourself through the Word of God? And then as we look into this tonight, spiritual conditioning... It requires some effort, and so you have to do something about what you hear. And you have the responsibility to take action and then are promised blessings. And God says that blessed are they which, 
And you ought to underline that in your Bible because he's saying, blessed are they, or blessed are these types of people. And he's talking about happy or what uh, is good for us and, and helpful to us as a believer and demonstrating that to others. And so God reveals to us the rewards that are received by those that are peacemakers and those that are persecuted. This passage here, when he says in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, this has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with your attitude and your spirit even after salvation. And God talks about being peacemakers. So I want to talk about the peacemaker first. And what the Lord demonstrates to us is those that are willing to work at keeping peace, they will be a happy person and shall be a child of God. When my brother was little, the one who's a police officer when he was young, one time uh, my parents got into a bit of an argument. And uh, dad was kind of upset, and he kind of really raised his voice kind of loud. And, and somehow or another, he had turned, and he'd knocked a photograph over my mom and dad, and his hand just kind of hit it. And my brother grabbed that photograph, and he stood there like this. And he went, Daddy, the devil's got you now, but God's going to get you, and this has to stop. And so he wanted to bring peace. <laughs> and sure enough... My dad just started laughing and took a tense situation and made it as calm as could be. And, you know, all of a sudden, mom and dad were talking to one another. And, you know, and, and so in the midst of it all, my brother just merely wanted to be a peacemaker. And so God used him in a great way that day to calm the household. And what I want us to do tonight, let's take a step back and look into the mirror of our own lives and consider whether we are a peacemaker. Consider whether you're a peacemaker or not. And so the Lord's not speaking about that M1873, that peacemaker, Colt 45. He's not talking about that. That's the peacemaker, right? And so God's not talking about being that kind of a peacemaker, that single-action revolver. That's not the peacemaker God's talking about being. But the Lord is speaking about us and our hearts. He is talking about a person who has a spirit and a heart for working through situations with others a willingness, a, a spirit and a willingness to say, okay, let's work through this rather than allow the situation to become conflict. And this is an individual, and he's one who restores peace and looks for ways to reconcile between people and even nations. We have people who we send abroad to do these kinds of things on our behalf for the United States to go and help bring peace. And we're always talking about bringing peace to the what? Middle East, right? We're always talking about bringing peace to the Middle East. Well, it will one day be peaceful, but God will be the one that actually does it. But there is a peace that we're always searching for. And yet our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, although caused division because of who he was, his desire was to be a peacemaker. And when we say that his desire was to be a peacemaker, it was to reconcile man and God because there was conflict between God and man. There was a problem. There was enmity between God and man. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, he said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And so Christ was telling us that his very presence is going to divide, and therefore it will not bring peace unto the entire world. And so we say to ourselves, is there a conflict in God's word? Is there a contradiction in God's word? Not at all. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's the, he's the, he is peace. And the thing of it is, is that he did try to bring peace to reconcile man to God. But when he did, he said, it's a sword, it'll divide because of who he is. And it created a hardship for the Pharisees. 
The Bible describes him in Isaiah 9, 6 as the Prince of Peace. So is there a contradiction? And I say, no, his desire was to bring peace between God and man, but it would create division. And here's what he tells us in John 14, 27, and this is why you know this to be true. He said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you with, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. It's not the same kind of peace. You know, my mom <laughs> used to say, I want you kids to get out of the house so I can have some what? Peace, and there's another word that goes along with that. I want some peace and quiet, so you got to get out of the house. And is that really peace? Well, absolutely not. I mean, it's probably quiet. I don't know that it's peace. But the thing is, is the type of peace that Christ is talking about is an inner peace as well as re- even when chaos is going on around us, there's an outer peace as well. Uh, when you watch the news and you watch the things that are going on and uh, they'll send your mind into a daze, you can become upset about things. You can allow yourself to, to lose that peace of God. And, I, and folks, listen, since I've been on Facebook these just short uh, weeks, I have seen things on Facebook that I cannot believe people talk that way. And the things that they say. And some of them have Christian with their name. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe people speak this way. And yet, that's not peace. It's about causing division. Uh, I saw one fellow say that we just need to kick all the Muslims out. And, you know, you sit back and you're thinking, why would we do that? <laughs> there are some people who are citizens in the United States who happen to be Muslim. And that is a people that needs to be reached with the gospel. Would you agree? Now, I believe in vetting. Amen. We ought to vet those that are coming in. But I can't imagine having that kind of an angry spirit toward a certain sect of people. And you say, well, listen, they're dangerous. Well, not all of them are dangerous. But the thing of it is, is that we can get on there. We can allow our mind to be clouded and lose sight of who God is. And we'll allow ourselves to say things that are ungodly in nature almost. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? Afraid. And what are we afraid of? <laughs> and, and, and sometimes we have this fear in our hearts, and that's not God's desire. So what is this peace that Christ is talking about? Well, Ephesians 2, 6, you ought to write this down, you don't have to turn there. And he said, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain enmity thereby. What he did was he took sin out of the way, and he nailed sin to the cross. And so what we see in this particular passage is that he might reconcile both unto God. Now listen, that he might reconcile. Now that means that someone has to make a choice, doesn't it? When it says that he might reconcile, it doesn't mean that he didn't accomplish the reconciliation, for he did. But the person, the individual, has to make a choice, do they not? And he says in this passage that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. In Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. And what he did was when he shed his blood, he nailed sin to the cross. It no longer has dominion over us for Christ died for it, and when you trust Him, that you might trust Him, and that you might put your faith and trust in Him, He's nailed your sin to the cross. It's no longer yours. It doesn't belong to you anymore. And so what happens is, is the righteousness of God, the type of peace that Christ brought, 
is a type of peace. He's a peacemaker in that he reconciled mankind unto God. But listen, man has to make a choice. So therefore, <clears throat> what about us? In any given situation, we have to make a choice to be a peacemaker, don't we? My brother, <laughs> that morning, he chose to be a peacemaker. He, he decided that he wanted it to be calm in the house. And so, for whatever reasons... <laughs> He used the choice words that he used, but it brought calm to the house. And sometimes what we do, rather than bring peace, we escalate because we just have one more thing we want to say, just one more thing that we want to put out there, just one more thing we need to spout off about. And what happens is, is we take away that peace. Making peace, by the way, is not always giving the other person their own way. Giving peace or having peace or being a peacemaker is not always meaning that you're giving the other person their own way. What it really means is is that we're coming to a conclusion or a solution based on truth of the Word of God. And so you're, you're, you're not losing out if they don't agree with you, but what you are doing is saying, yes, but God's Word says. And you're trying to bring forth peace. Now listen, the reason I share that with you is is because is it not so that Christ wanted to bring reconciliation between God and man? But how did the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the publicans take that? They saw it as a threat, did they not? But Jesus could not change what message he was bringing, for therefore he would become a liar. And instead of him lying, he began to tell them truth. And as he told them truth, he didn't change truth to appease them. And listen, as a Christian, we need not change truth. We are peacemakers. We want mankind to be reconciled unto God. Amen? As a saved individual, we should desire that. We should want to bring peace between God and men. But what we cannot do, sometimes we become a sword. And how do we do that? By using the sword. Amen? And we take the Word of God and we share truth with someone else. And listen, truth doesn't always go over well, does it? And and folks, listen, just because you're telling the truth doesn't mean that you're not a peacemaker. You are trying to bring forth peace. But you're trying to do it in a manner that brings uh, glory to the Lord. Making peace is not always giving the other person their own way, but working to a solution through truth. And that's something that these Pharisees, Sadducees, these publicans weren't willing to do with Christ. So to become a peacemaker is to look for biblical solutions as a child of God. It is not to persecute the other person, but to look to the Word of God for answers. And to be a peacemaker, you have to look to God's Word. I went to uh, Lima last night to open door. Uh, uh, Brother Fisher was up there last night. What a powerful message. My word. I wanted to go back tonight, but I had to be here. No, I'm just kidding. uh, But it was so good last night. And he was just talking about the labor and the importance of us having clean hearts when we come into the house of God. To not have anything, no ought against ourselves and another brother about the spirit that we have when we walk through the house of God. And he was talking about that cleansing. And it's not just the cleansing that Christ gives us when we get saved, but it's the cleansing of the heart and the spirit and the attitude of the heart when we're together. And he said how one person can sit out there and just have a negative spirit and a negative heart and affect the entire body of Christ just because they don't want to have a good spirit about themselves. And, of course, he backed it up biblically. He showed us quite a bit of Scripture and showed us what God intended for us. And the thing about it is, is to become a peacemaker is to look for a biblical solution as a child of God. 
We don't want to persecute one another. We don't want to tear each other apart. We want to build each other up. And there is a time to rebuke, and there is a time that you have to do that, but that's so that you can bring peace back to a situation sometimes. But the fact is, is that you're doing it according to the truth of the Word of God. Now, conditioning yourself spiritually through the Word of God requires you to take action as a peacemaker. And so I asked the question when we started, would you consider looking into the mirror and saying and asking yourself, am I a peacemaker or a troublemaker? (laughs) Am I always looking for what's wrong? Am I always the critic? Am I always looking at what's wrong in other people's lives instead of being a peacemaker and coming up alongside of people and showing them a truth and trying to help them through situations? Or am I just looking to find fault? The easiest thing in the world to do is to be a critic. The easiest thing in the world to do is to find fault with other people. A hard thing to do is to try to be kind in the midst of their faults. And so I challenge you tonight just to look into the mirror and say to yourselves, and don't think about someone else right now. Think about yourself. Don't think, well, if they would or if that person would. No, think about yourself in light of truth. Would you consider yourself to be a peacemaker or a troublemaker? And so to be a peacemaker, I want to use God's word to strengthen his body, to strengthen this temple, and then to strengthen his church. So conditioning yourself spiritually through the word of God requires you to be a peacemaker. We're taught by Christ to be joyful even when you're treated poorly. To be joyful even when you're treated poorly. Look at verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Look at the verse 12. What is the word? Say it out aloud. What is the word? Rejoice. Rejoice. Now watch this. And be what? Exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He said when those kinds of actions are being taken against you, start to rejoice. Now, when the subject of persecution comes, there's not one that would welcome that and say, boy, I'm just looking forward to all this persecution. I hope it comes. And, and, but when it does come, it does not constitute poor conduct on our behalf either. When persecution comes, we don't get to act like the world acts. We have to still be Christian. Christ refers to a specific kind of persecution, not for wrongdoing, but for doing that which is right. And oftentimes we are uh, persecuted, if you will, for doing wrong, or someone will say something falsely against us or maybe lie against us or maybe something comes up, but somehow or another we're involved. And Christ refers to this specific kind of persecution, not for wrongdoing, but for doing that which is right. And knowing that you're doing what is right according to the word of God and being evil spoken of or ill-treated. And in Christ, we see this in his case. We see it in the apostles' case. We see that things happen just like that to both Christ and the apostles. They were not treated well. They they were spoken falsely of, specifically Paul. And when we look at this, uh, these guys, the Christ and and the apostles, it went so far as they were tormented and many died. And listen, he said, even in all of that, just know this one thing, heaven is yours. (laughs) It's yours. 
rejoice. Now, think about Stephen being stoned to death. Now, speaking of truth, was Stephen telling the truth that day? But Stephen was trying to draw these men to Christ. And what they didn't want to hear, and sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. What, what is wrong with our nation today? Regardless of the facts, people don't want to hear the what? They don't want to hear the truth. You know, when Isaiah said, truth has fallen in the street, it's trampled underfoot, he was not kidding. That is exactly what's happening today. And what we see is people don't want to hear truth. You can lay out all the facts and they say, I don't care. And, and the fact is, is that facts lead to truth a lot of times. And you look at this and we look at the facts and Jesus teaches us some things about being persecuted. And he said, the fact is, is when you're persecuted, just rejoice knowing that the kingdom of heaven is yours. <laughs> knowing what reward is to come, you should rejoice. Think of Stephen being stoned to death for speaking truth, and there are many non-Christian and Christians alike who do not care for truth, and Stephen was stoned to death for righteousness' sake. Now, I want you to look at what this says. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There's a lot of unrighteous actions that lead to persecution sometimes, but he's talking about righteous-type actions. Righteous type actions. And he goes on to say, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely. And notice it's for my sake, for his sake, not for ours, not for me personally. It is for the sake of Christ's name. When you are done wrong for doing right, God said that pleases him. Isn't that odd? What do you think about that? That's just odd, Lord. You mean to tell me when people do us wrong that pleases you? He said, yeah, especially when you're doing right. It pleases him. Turn to 1 Peter. I'll show you firsthand. God clearly tells us that, that he is pleased by these types of situations. And he wants you to be the same. 1 Peter chapter 2. Everybody with me? Look at verse 19. should start with, for this is thankworthy. Is that what it says? For this is thankworthy. You ought to underline that word thankworthy. That means that you are personally thankful. (laughs) For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. He said, you ought to be thankful about this if you suffer grief uh, wrongfully. When, When this happens, you ought to be thankful. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your fault, she shall take it patiently? In other words, when you've done wrong, and, and somebody's getting on you about the wrong that you've done, and you take it patiently, so what? He's just simply saying, so what? But here's what he tells us. He goes on to make this statement, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, and ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, I don't understand that. I, I look at that and I say, God, that's just awkward. You mean when people do me wrong and I handle it right, and I know that they're doing wrong, and I don't act in a manner or behave in a manner that, that, that would demonstrate a non-Christian attitude, that's what pleases God. So, Lord, whenever, whenever someone does me wrong and I lash out at them, I get angry or I get upset or I get mad or I throw my fist or I yell or I scream, that doesn't please God. Even if you're right, (laughs) it doesn't please him. And so what God teaches us in this passage, he said, For even here unto 
were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. And what was his words while he hung on the cross? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And sometimes you're dealing with unsaved people, are you not? And really, our attitude ought to be, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not always that guy. I got upset. I was at a, at a job. I was at, uh, working for a fellow, and, and uh, they owed me some money. And they owed me money, and, and, and I got upset because when I came in, they told me there was no money available. <laughs> and they owed me commission, <laughs> and a lot of it. <laughs> And he turned to me and he said, well, I'll give you one of the big screen TVs in the back. I said, I don't need a big screen TV. I need money. I got bills to pay. And I remember vocalizing it quite a bit. And I allowed myself to get angry. And I called my pastor and I said, listen, I was just mad. And I was like, pastor, this is what happened. And he said, have you prayed yet? Prayed, Prayed about what? I'm praying they give me my money. He said, let's just stop for a minute, Bob, pray. Now, I was young in the Lord, but still he was trying to teach me something. He used to make me so mad. And he'd say, let's just stop and pray. So we began to pray. And he said, now, you need to ask God to help that man. I said, help him with what? Lord, help him, because I'm going to take him out if he don't give me my money. And I was upset. And I remember the emotions and the feelings and all of that. And that's what really gets to us, isn't it? For what are emotions but a what? They're a roller coaster, aren't they? And yet, pastor was trying to teach me to step back from that, take a breath, and look at the bigger picture, the eternal picture. And he wanted me to not get so upset. When I look at this, and he says, For herein too were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. What steps? When you're persecuted, take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Hard to believe, isn't it? You know, our nation is coming to the place where the Christian's becoming reviled. Would you agree with that? You know what the word reviled means? What they're doing is, is they're criticizing in an abusive way and being angry and, and, and what it is, it's an insulting manner. How many of you have seen that happen? I, I know when folks are on television and they start talking about Christ or anything like that, man, it's just insult. They try to insult these people like as if we're fools and, and try to insult the intelligence of those that try to speak to them in that manner. And, and I share this with you. When we talk about being reviled, it's criticizing in an abusive and an angry way. And notice that the passage teaches, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. We should be happy about it. You're saying, that just doesn't make sense. But isn't that what the Word of God says? This is where spiritual conditioning comes in. This is where you have to allow God to have control in these situations. And it happens because of your relationship with Christ. Here, turn to Acts chapter 5 with me real quick. And if you have a Bible, turn your pages. <laughs> Acts 5. Acts 5. Chapter 5. Look at verse 41 with me. If you're with me, say amen. Look at verse 41. And they departed, talking about the apostles, and they departed from the presence of the council. What's the next word? 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You see, what the world wants us to do is stop talking about him. They want us to shut our mouths. <laughs> and here's what he said. He said, hey, listen, uh, and they departed rejoicing that they counted worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. Listen, we're not far off from that, folks. The time is coming whenever people will revile you, they'll be insulting toward you, they'll have an angry spirit toward you because you are a Christian. And what is happening is, as God said, when all that's occurring, rejoice. And in fact, the example that he gave us is rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his namesake. But it did not stop them from talking about teaching and preaching the name of Jesus Christ. It never stopped them. They never ceased to do it. They did not quit, but rejoiced and continues teaching and preaching the name of Christ. And we're told, just as the prophets were persecuted, so you may be also. But remember your rewards in heaven. Think about Jeremiah. How many of you know about the prophet Jeremiah? In the Old Testament, you look at him. And, and, and as we say this, we say he never had any converts. But I'm not so sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel weren't a part of what sent you know, them there. But the fact is, is that there was a time when Jeremiah was mad. He was in the stocks. And by the way, the stocks aren't what like is down in Williamsburg where you get your picture taken, you put your hands in there and do this. Uh Uh-uh. They would contort your body and hang you in the air. And I can't imagine Jeremiah being very comfortable when some of these words came out of his mouth. He said, Lord, I'm done. This is my version. Every time I talk about you, I end up in trouble. And I'm not going to speak about you anymore. And then he says, but there was a burning in my bones. <laughs> There's a burning in his belly. And he said, I could not help. I could not forbear. I had to say something again. And the thing of it is, as a Christian, we should have that desire in us to speak of Christ. This should cause all of us to think before we speak or act upon any situation, understanding the reward that is ours by how you respond with your attitude and your heart. And so what you have to do is condition your heart and your mind to respond biblically and take the knowledge of the Word of God and put it into action. And that's not easy to do all the time. Let not the sun go down upon your what? How many of you have ever gone to bed mad? Now, if you say, no, I've never done that, we're lying, aren't we? How many of you have gone to bed mad before? Have you done it? I have. Do you know how well I sleep that night? Not at all. I should have just gotten the thing right so I could lay down and go to sleep. Amen? Do you want to forego rest (laughs) over being angry? God says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to what? Wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. How many of you have gotten angry and then realized, well, that feels foolish. Amen? And then you got to go mop the thing up. And you're like, good night, man. And and it doesn't feel good sometimes. And so what he's talking about is taking the Word of God and putting it into action. How many of you have told a lie and then felt terrible about the lie that you told? And then you think to yourself, man, the, the, the pressure or the feeling that you have, the emotion that you go through after having told a lie. It doesn't feel good. And the pressure of all that wasn't worth the lie. I had one of my children come to me and said, you know, 
it would have been better off just to tell you the truth. Because the, the, the terrible feelings and emotions and everything they went through, and they finally just came in and just couldn't take it anymore, and I mean, just collapsed on me and said, ah! How many of you ever watched the Brady Bunch? Anybody ever watched the Brady Bunch? Mom always said, don't play ball in the what? House. Who did that? Peter did, didn't he? And he broke the thing, and boy, Dad really knew how to make him feel bad about that, didn't he? And he had these dreams. <laughs> and he keeps seeing the basketball come down and break mom's vase. And they tried to glue the thing together. But what's, <clears throat> what is true about that is sometimes doing wrong and trying to cover it up is mental torment, isn't it? It's worse than just fessing up. I used to tell my kids, you might as well tell me the truth. You're going to get spanked either way, right? <laughs> so you might as well just tell me the truth and we can get it over with because once you lie... And then I find out the truth. How much worse is that? Now, if you as a parent hate it when your child lies to you, and then you find out the truth, how did that make you feel on the inside? So I I wonder sometimes how God feels when he looks at us and watches us do that. You see, putting God's word into practice is not just saying, well, I know where to find it in the Bible. (laughs) it's about actually doing what it says, isn't it? Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now think about this tonight. You must condition your heart and your mind to respond biblically and take that knowledge of the Word of God and put it into action. Now, when you know His Word, you're able to use it and put it into action and respond in a manner that pleases the Lord. The, The Holy Spirit is amazing. And I'm so thankful to God that when I got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in. And so now there's a part of God in me, or all of God, if you will, in me, and the Spirit can be grieved. And whenever we have things that we're doing wrong, it grieves the Spirit of God. And so God tells us not to have that kind of attitude or our spirit that would grieve the Holy Spirit because when we're doing that, we're literally grieving God. And so our attitude, our spirit matters. And so when you know His Word and you're able to put it into action and respond in a manner, that's pleasing to God. God is pleased by you taking His Word and putting it into action. Doing what it actually says makes a big difference in your relationship, in your fellowship with God, doesn't it? Because whenever you get angry and don't get it right, or you lie and don't get it right, or you do something wrong, something contrary to God's Word, you sinned in some way, that breaks fellowship with God. And when that broken fellowship was there, it doesn't feel good. How many of you have been to the place where you just feel like you can't get close to God? Now, here's the thing. As for me, I don't know about you, I like the rewards, but notice that this is not just any type of reward, but the Lord refers to it as great. Now, look at it. He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. When you're persecuted, when somebody lies against you, when somebody's false about you, when somebody's doing something to try to harm you in some way, don't feel like you have to vindicate yourself. Look at what the Bible says. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Now notice this, for great is your reward in heaven. That word great is a wonderful word. He's saying it's much, it's large, it's abundant, it's plenteous, it's very valuable. (laughs) So when those things happen... (laughs) and you handle them right, God says, great is your reward in heaven. You know, we 
say this kind of loosely sometimes. We want to be in heaven and have it said, well done thou good and faithful servant. And we always think that's just in a relationship to a soul, and it's not. It's in relationship to who we are and our fellowship with God. And by the way, we receive rewards for doing right. And it has nothing to do with your salvation, but it has to do with your attitude. This is not one to be retracted, and it's not one that's going to be not distributed. It will be distributed, and it's going to come from our Savior. So what these Beatitudes are truly about is conditioning your heart and your mind to take the teachings of the Word of God and putting them into practice in your life. Now, when he's preaching this, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the publicans, they're all standing around listening to this stuff. And certainly it made them upset. It brought them to the place where they had Jesus crucified. They did not want to hear what he had to say anymore. So it brought great persecution. So when you think about spiritual conditioning, it requires you to seek biblical answers for living this life, knowing the Word of God, giving the Holy Spirit control, and take actions that lead to the promise to blessings. That's what he's talking about here. Blessed are they. You receive these blessings from God. So you're challenged to consider conditioning your spirit to please the Lord by obeying His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for all of Your grace and Your goodness.